Well, good evening. I would invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6 so we can start our study. Mind you, their time here is short, so I'll go fairly fast, perhaps faster than I would like to. But uh, I would invite you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6, starting on verse 1. We can start with that. So Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, in the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And with that, I'd like to address tonight a topic that I think it's a very important topic, is the holiness of God. The holiness of God. Of course, if we're talking about the holiness of God, we cannot live outside our discussion today, the opposite of it. The, sinful, the sinfulness of man, right? How sinful or not holy we are. And it is in that chasm, that contrast, that lies all of the richness of this topic, right? When we compare what we are with what God is in terms of holiness. But then what is holiness? If we think about holiness, what is holiness? Well, the Bible, in general terms, holiness and biblical terms is more of the, the moral excellence that God has, right? And that sort of unifies all his attributes, all his goodness, all his love, all his justice, all his righteousness, all his wisdom. They are all unified by this whole term, holiness. How different he is, how morally superior he is from man, how sinless and pure he is. And we can see that not just by thinking about God or by reading what God said, but also by seeing how he reacts to things, how he reacts to sin, how he reacts to disobedience. And by that, we know how holy our God is. Now, it's important to understand how holy God is because the world outside, right, the secular world doesn't acknowledge God and neither acknowledges it, his holiness. So to the world, there could be a good God, 
but maybe not a righteous God. There could be a righteous God, but maybe he's not good. So there could be a God, but he's certainly not holy. So the church stands in an important position of holding up that truth of God's holiness. But then again, Christianity today, if you look around, in terms of holiness, well, sometimes we fail as Christians as uphold that truth, right? We think, oh, everybody's, everybody sins, so God must have a, an obligation to forgive. Well, I want to quickly show to you that that's not the case. Now, uh, first, we, I would like to establish that, uh, well, God cannot tolerate, cannot tolerate sin. If you go to Habakkuk, chapter 1 and verse 12, and here I'm going, I'm going to go fast because we have so little time today. You see an interesting thing about how God cannot tolerate sin at all. Let's see. Getting there. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 12. And the prophet asks a question to the Lord. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. You have appointed them for judgment, O rock. You have marked them for correction. You are pure, you are of pure eyes, then to behold evil, and cannot look on wickedness. Why do you look on those who deal treacherously and hold your tongue to the wicked? Uh, when the wicked devours a person more righteous than he. So God cannot tolerate, cannot tolerate injustice and cannot tolerate sin. And when he doesn't do that to our naked eye, we think, oh, that's a problem because we associate God with holiness. Now, to us, we are not that naturally, right? We read in Romans 7 that even a Christian, a born a green Christian, can and certainly dwells, uh, battles with his own sinfulness nature, right? If you go to Romans 7, and we have a lot of text today, but we'll go quickly over there. You see, the Paul struggles with that, struggles with that. Go to down to verse, maybe let's start in verse 21. I then find a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So I want to do good. I'm a, I've been born again. The Lord is working in my heart, but I find this law that I want to do, that I do the opposite I want. For I delight in the law of God according to the inmost man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then with my mind, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So we have this battle against sin. Why that? Because now God, with his Holy Spirit, is calling us to, his, to be holy as he is holy. Now, with that, just would like you to consider back again. Let's go back to Isaiah, our first text. Isaiah 6. You see, when you contemplate the holiness of God, and if you do it right, and you look to yourself, you cannot turn away from the very fact that you are unworthy. Unworthy to be close to that God. And that's what Isaiah does here. If you go to Isaiah chapter 6, 
And then in verse 5, he, he, he basically he looks at himself and his people and he says, Well, we are not worthy. Woe unto me, for I am undone. We are not worthy. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So even my reference, what I have as a standard for normal, is not normal in the face of God. Because I'm surrounded by people that are sinners, right? And in the face of this Holy One, I'm not worthy. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, this is so important when we come to the Lord, either in prayer, either in worship, that we acknowledge our position before we come to Him. Because you see, even in the temple, even in the, in the, with the priests of the Old Testament, they had a garment, interesting thing. If you go to, you don't have to go there, but if you go back to Exodus 28, when the garments of the temple of the priests are instituted, there was a strange thing that the, the high priest was supposed to carry on his turban, an inscription. The inscription didn't say, praise to the Lord, or didn't say, look up to God. It didn't say, the Lord is great. It didn't say, glory to God. The inscription said, holiness to the Lord. Why that? Because we have to be reminded to give attribute holiness and to remember of the holiness of God. Otherwise, we don't have a, the right mindset approaching worship. If we don't understand how far we are from Him, we don't understand. We can't understand grace. We can't understand fully what Christ did for us. Unless we acknowledge that we have a great chasm between us, between ourselves and God, we are not able to fully appreciate what he did for us, and we are not able to fully worship him and serve him. So I'd like you with that to finish turning to Hebrew 12, Hebrews 12. And starting in verse 14 of Hebrews 12. Here we have something similar, or the author of Hebrews is talking about something similar. He's talking about how in Sinai, when God descended upon Sinai, the place was considered holy when God descended upon Sinai. And God even said, if, if anybody gets close to the, the mount, they'll be stoned, they'll be dead. And here we, we read in, in verse 14, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see God or will see the Lord. So pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food so sowed his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire to blackness and darkness and tempest. That's the sign of when God descended upon it to talk to the Israelites. And the sound of trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. 
for they could not endure what was commanded, as if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to the Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men being perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape him if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yes, one, once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, and as of the things that are made, the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire, yet our God, yet indeed, our God is a consuming fire, holy God that provided for us access to his presence, but we shouldn't forget that we are privileged. We are not worthy to be where we are. We are where we are by the grace of God and by Christ alone.